الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته A very warm welcome to this week's edition of the program Living the Legacy Today we're focusing on a topic that very much needed but a topic that many of us may have educated ourselves myself included through social media but it's time, and our producer thought so as well, that we have an expert and someone who is qualified in this field to share with us more on this topic. We hear the word validation or seeking validation, this term very often. We thought that as we progress into the year, it's a good idea for us to understand and to, to notice, to observe, to be aware of the difference if any, between what it is to need help and to seek validation. So terms like neediness, helplessness, validation, we're going to explore that on today's program. Our guest today is no stranger to the airwaves of Radio Islam and who so generously shares with us his time and resources. Allahumma barik, coach for life, author, mental health activist, of ZaidIsmail.com. Coach Zaid, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Radio Islam. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah once again and good to be back. Wonderful. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Um, you know, the, the year has settled in by the time this program is on Radio Islam. Uh, we would have been into the second month, inshallah, of, of this year. Uh, we will be at least a month away from Ramadan as well. Uh, but perhaps if before we get into today's topic, if we could ask you, what does 2024, what is it going to look like for, um, for your coaching services, for ZadiSmile.com? What projects can our listeners uh, anticipate or be part of or benefit from with you this year? Um, inshallah, this year I'm hoping to hold myself accountable for a couple of projects that I've been almost threatening to launch for some time now. Um, the first one, which is a bit more pressing, because I think it's just something that uh, I'm at risk of losing the opportunity uh, to make a success of it, inshallah, is that uh, I want to launch a podcast. Um, that will be available on multiple platforms uh, in the very near future, inshallah. So I'm just uh, working through getting the logistics of that in place so that it's uh, sustainable. And I hope to launch that um, if I, I don't find any more excuses uh, before the end of this month, inshallah. So that's a podcast that I want to do, and I'm still not sure how many episodes per week I want to put out, And uh, but it will probably be a duration of about 30 minutes per episode. And uh, the second project is also one that I had hoped I would have finished last year, um, but life kind of got in the way. And uh, there is a new book that I'm working on, which is uh, focused on an introspective journey of uh, pretty much based on my journey, I guess, in many ways, but of um, trying to extract lessons from the Quran and the Sunnah of uh, mental health and how to apply it practically in our life that is Islamically grounded rather than trying to make sense of life through the secular mainstream philosophies that we try to work with because we're looking for answers. Wow, 
So, congratulations. Let's talk a bit about the podcast, if we can, please. Um, so, you're saying it's a, it will be available on a variety of mediums where people generally would listen to their podcast. Um, and what type of topics can people expect to benefit from on your podcast? There's a few. So, so one of it, um, and I'm hoping that she follows through, is uh, my daughter has agreed to do at least one podca- podcast with me, a series of episodes where it will be discussions with the youth and understanding what Gen Z is actually dealing with and how it is that they're framing their understanding of the world and where they're taking their information and insights from. That's the one that I hope to do. The other one will definitely be on um, relationships, marital relationships, and the kind of problems we experience there and whether divorce is uh, solving the right problem or not. And that just opens up a whole minefield of um, topics and issues that we need to deal with. And the third area of focus would be just general kind of unfaltered, unbiased, hopefully, uh, social commentary based on... um, not just mental health, I don't put everything, just being human and how it is that we're approaching different, uh, very um, difficult and real issues that we face with in life, um, including, for example, what we're now dealing with, um, with the, in the Muslim world, especially with uh, what's happening in uh, Gaza and uh, Palestine and things. So it's to be able to provide at least some some voice, I guess, or platform where we can start discussing things as Muslims with a very real kind of um, difficulties that we experience in our identity and our uh, cultural roots and how that all comes together in shaping our narratives about um, what we believe we're responsible for doing about what we see happening around us in the world. Fantastic. Well, we're really looking forward to it. We ask Allah to facilitate with ease and open the way. And then, inshallah, the next time we talk, uh, those podcasts will be well underway and, and uh, that book will be coming along beautifully as well, inshallah. Amin, amin, amin. Yeah. So together with these projects, both the book and the podcast for 2024, uh, will you be continuing offering your one-on-one services as well? Um, I hope to, inshallah. Um, I do want to shift my focus more towards content creation, if that's uh, sustainable, because we all have bills to pay, unfortunately. So if it's sustainable to be able to do that, I want to focus more on making information available um, generally, and maybe even some self-based introspective causes on how to figure yourself out. Um, because it makes it more reachable. The the difficulty I've got with the one-on-one sessions, uh, I want to keep it going as much as possible, but it limits the reach and it limits accessibility. And uh, I can only be available in one place at one time. So as long as I'm doing the one-on-ones, I'm limited to the number of people that I can see in a day. Whereas if we make more content online available, um, I'm hoping that inshallah that will allow us to be able to start these discussions in our personal spaces without having to engage with me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So inshallah, 2024 is looking good and we're, we're very excited to follow this journey. And listeners, you can do that through the um, Instagram account. It's Coach Zaid Ismail, all in one word. The website is ZaidIsmail.com. You can follow along with that journey and benefit from that, inshallah. Mm. Coach, if we get into today's topic that we'd like to explore with you, and that is when we hear the, the term about needing help, 
Um, and then we hear validation that one seeks. So today we'd like to explore that with you, please. And if we could begin by asking you to help us differentiate between what is it when we say, I'm seeking validation, and then genuinely now seeking help in a given situation? Are they, are they similar in any way, or are they very different? Uh, they are very, very different. Um, when we're looking for validation, we usually want people to acknowledge what we believe we are right about, or what it is that we want them to understand about our efforts and difficulties or accomplishments or whatever it is, or even why we couldn't do something. That, that's validation. When we're looking for help, um, it requires that we acknowledge that we don't know, that's why we're asking for assistance, or we can't, that's why we need additional help. And that means that we can't go in dictatorially, kind of, you know, demanding that people show up for us in a certain way, because mm -hmm. that's not asking for help, that's calling people out. <laughs> What we want to do is we want to be able to strike a healthy balance between recognizing that, okay, we've got a, a learning that we need to go through here or we, need, or we have a limitation that we need others to assist us with and that's looking for help. And uh, validation is um, we're not interested in what anyone else thinks. We just want them to tell us how it is that we're right. Mm -hmm. well, then we come back to examples um, and... Uh, uh, not to put you on the spot, but yeah, is it possible then for you to share with us some examples from your own experience uh, or from something you've observed in others? Uh, when someone appears to be seeking validation, but what they're actually needing is help or assistance. Because I think, again, the topics may be so abstract for many of us. We think we understand it. But then when we, we learn from the examples you share with us, we realize, oh, no, hang on a minute. I didn't understand this. Well, it's completely out of a you know, different context. So could you give us maybe an example uh, of that? For some strange reason, the only example that comes to mind right now is my efforts as a parent. Um, the validation, I guess, that I was almost naturally inclined towards securing was that the way I was parenting was the best way that I could parent and that this is the way that works, etc. And what it was at the time, earlier on, was that I was the typical, <coughs> um, how can I put this, uh, Indo-Pak Muslim man who was the disciplinarian. If there was compliance, I was happy. If there was non-compliance, uh, I would implement consequences, either um, consequences of uh, taking away privileges or things from my children or um, reprimands or even at the time it was uh, giving them a smack on the bottom or the belt or whatever it is that we were raised with. And the one thing that always left me kind of at odds with that was that even though I was in that context validated for what I was doing because I was trying to instill the right values and principles and protect them from, you know, the influence of shaitan and everything else that we were raised with, you know, you protect them from the evil of the world and that's why you need to make sure that they just don't go into certain spaces and do certain things. It always left me at odds with the method because I could never 
reconcile how that was beneficial to them apart from instilling fear in them. And that's where I had to step back and look, well, just because I'm validated relative to social norms and customs of where I come from, just because I'm validated in being able to approach parenting in that way, doesn't mean that I'm right in doing it. And I had to be very honest with myself about what am I drawing on as being the source for keeping myself honest about whether or not what I'm doing is correct. And I had to reinvent myself as a parent, so to speak. And in that process of reinvention, I needed to learn. I needed to find help to understand. I needed to find help to support um, a different way of doing things because the traditional structures and, and norms that were around me was just validating the way it's always been done and I was at odds with that. And because of that, I had to hold myself accountable for what it is that I was doing relative to what it is that I was supposedly in my own way at the time preaching to others. So if we want to raise children with empathy and compassion and understanding, then we need to raise them with empathy and compassion and understanding. We can't raise them with harshness and religiosity and fear. And that places a demand on us as parents that uh, is difficult to navigate sometimes because there's limited um, sources that will be able to guide you on how to navigate that. And that's why in our last discussion I alluded to the point of we go from the um, parenting, which is uh, the harsh parenting, and we go to the other extreme, which is the gentle parenting. There's a middle ground that we need to connect with and resonate with. And that middle ground, we won't be able to do that unless um, we are holding ourselves accountable for what we are enabling in our children. Thank you so much for sharing that. There's so many of us can benefit from that. And, you know, like you mentioned, the, the, the parenting journey is it's beautiful and it's complex as well. But, um, and again, the topic of what we discussed last week about the accountability comes up and it seems to be so important in every aspect of our development, our awareness and our growth. Um, when we are working or dealing with someone else, um, some of us may not have as yet developed or nurtured that emotional intelligence or emotional maturity, or we may have very busy, overwhelmed, overworked minds. What, what signs or cues are we meant to look for that help us gauge is this person seeking validation or do they need help right now? Um, this reminds me of that hadith that we hear quoted quite often um, about a believer is one who wants for their brother what they want for themselves. Yes. And the reason it reminds me of that is because in that situation when we see someone behaving a certain way um, and we're trying to determine how, what an appropriate or helpful response should be. We need to be able to insert ourselves in their space and consider what is it that we would want someone else to do for us if they found us in that state. Mm -hmm. So 
if we look at someone and we think, well, you're either going to support them because you agree with what they're doing or you want to correct them because you disagree with what they're doing because that's usually the kind of options we have, right? And if you disagree with them, you then choose whether you want to get involved or not. And unfortunately, most of the time, we choose not to get involved, so we leave people. And that's part of that hadith I just mentioned, is that if, if you were doing something that people disagreed with and you genuinely believe that you were well-intentioned in doing it, would you want them to just leave you because they don't want to get involved? Or would you want them to correct you so that you can stop doing what it is that might be harmful? And that's how we should approach others. So when we look at others, how we judge ourselves is how we're going to judge them. And if we're not clear about how we're judging ourselves before we get to the point, we're going to assume the worst or we're going to become cocky and arrogant about ourselves and assume that ah, we're not going to be like that or we're not like that or we don't do that. And that's when the other hadith that I'm often reminded about is that you will be tested by that which you judge others about. So when you start judging people before you even engage or when you assume that you know better before you even understand, you're then going to um, either validate people that resonate or that reflect what it is that you think is justified and right about something, or you're going to judge people harshly when they actually just require sincere advice and guidance. And uh, if you're not um, mindful about that, you end up creating more trials for yourself and then you blame the deer for it. Ah. That is something that we've heard from our own tongues and from others as well, yes. It's interesting how this understanding is linked so much to even our aqidah, our belief system. Wow. It's in fact, I would go as far, I'm off to interrupt, but I think I would go as far as saying that it is a reflection. How we conduct ourselves is a reflection of our understanding, is a reflection of our Akira. And if we don't recognize that, we won't be able to reflect and take ourselves to task about whether or not we're reflecting that in our manner, in our, the way we go about um, showing up for people in, in life. Because we'll assume we're right because we believe we're acting from that as intention. And we're not here to judge ourselves by our intentions. We're here to judge ourselves by the outcomes of our actions so that we can correct our methods and not just expect people to accept whatever we do just because we meant well. Uh-huh. We hear that often, don't we? I meant well. Yes. <laughs> you don't know what's in my heart, so don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if you're judging yourself already, you can ask people not to judge you. <laughs> right, right, yep. Yeah. Mm. So, communication. How, how can we communicate in a way that's effective, and that's honest, that's where we communicate our need for validation, but at the same time without overshadowing that need for practical help. How do we, how do we get that balance then? I mean, it's all about communication, and you've shared with us in the past uh, on the topic of communication. So take us through that, please. I think the one myth about communication is that um, it's not my problem if you don't understand. Mm, right, that's another one, yeah. <laughs> so if we are sincere 
and we claim to be sincere, and we see that what we're communicating is being misconstrued or misunderstood. What was our intention? Was our intention just to have a voice and to have a soapbox moment where we could preach and walk away? Or was our intention to uplift and assist or guide or correct from a meaningful perspective because we want to create something good? Because if we were sincere about how we wanted to offer benefit to someone else, and we see that they're not receiving it or taking it the way we, ex the way we intended, then we should hold ourselves accountable for why it is that we don't understand where they're at, that they're not hearing it the way we're intending it. Because we listen to people um, based on the lenses and the filters that we live by, right? And those are unique to each of us. So if I, like we talked previously about uh, triggers, if I'm triggered about how it is that someone might have uh, taken advantage of me before, Someone else might come along and they genuinely and sincerely offering advice about how it is that um, they could assist us if only we did a certain thing. I'm immediately going to go on the defensive and assume that they're trying to take advantage of me again. Yeah. Now, if I hold myself accountable, if I'm the person offering the assistance and I hold myself accountable and I see that they're getting their backs up about it, then I need to put in at least a, a reasonable effort. And I say reasonable because there has to be moderation in everything. I have to put in a reasonable effort to make sure that what I'm intending is clearly understood by the person that is on the receiving end. But if I see that the more I try, the more they get in their back up or the more the defensive they're getting or the more they misconstruing what I'm saying, I need to accept that I don't have the ability to be able to connect with them in the way that I want to because I don't understand them well enough. I can't just blame them for being obstinate or obtuse or, or stupid or whatever it is, because that's just an indulgence of my ego if I do that. It's just recognize, okay, we, I, I accept that I can't get through to you, I accept that um, you, uh, I can't explain it in a way that you can connect with or whatever it is, or I don't understand what's going on in your space, accept that, that's your accountability. And then you choose your battle and you move on. But if you need them, and this is where the validation thing comes in, right? If I need people to appreciate my good intention and my effort and my sincerity and all of that, then I'm going to become very argumentative and I'm going to become very aggressive in forcing them to accept what it is that I'm saying. And if they don't, I start slandering them. Yes. Like, don't feel sorry for that person because, you know what I tried to do for them? I did this and that and that and they still did this and they did that. That's, that's a reflection of who we are. That's our Akida. Despite what we claim to live by, that's what we actually live by. It's us wanting to be seen a certain way. It's not us holding ourselves accountable for living by what it is that we claim is the right standard by which we should live. In the midst of this coach, where does the concept of codependency in when it comes to needing help? Where's the connection? Is, is, is there this connection between the two? Ah, uh, now you're starting to trigger me. <laughs> there's, there's certain terms when it comes to human behavior or relationships that I just don't find any value in. And this I, I the last interview. Yes, the inner child, <laughs> the inner child one is one of them, right? 
and I know that there's a lot of people that take exception to that. But I'll, I'll, I'll stand by my position until someone can prove that I'm missing something important there. But the other thing is codependency and trauma bonding. Two very, very popular positions that people take these days. When they want to understand why it is that they get stuck in a cycle with someone, they automatically assume that there's some other worldly kind of impact on them because of what they share with the other person and all that. It's, we've overcomplicated being human. Mm. The codependency. Communicates with you. It, it wouldn't be a codependency, it wouldn't be a dependency in the first place if we were just mindful about who we are and what we're taking from that. And absence of mindfulness, in the absence of us being grounded in who we are and why we are the way we are and what effort we're making to improve who we are, that accountability for ourselves, in the absence of that, we rationalize our behavior based on what other people do to us or with us. And as much as we can say, well, yes, I have an expectation, it's a legitimate expectation from my partner to be a certain way so that I can feel good, nothing wrong with that. But my response to them not being the way I need them to be, it's still mine. So even though my partner might not be showing up the way I need them to, and let's assume that this becomes a point of contention and we dig our heels in, it just starts souring the relationship. The first time around, the second time around, yes, emotional reaction, that's a safe space with your partner, you had an expectation, you have a level of trust, and that's why you acted on it in that way. But at which point are you gonna hold yourself accountable for realizing that, hold on, what I need or what I expect is just not possible under these circumstances and to figure out why, rather than always just behaving badly and blaming them for it. So this codependency is an abdication of responsibility more than anything else. We need to hold ourselves accountable for our choices and for our reactions. And yes, we're human. I said that before. We need to allow ourselves to be human. But being human is not an excuse to behave badly. It's just to create understanding of why we behaved badly so that we can do something about it and make right what we got wrong. It's not a free pass. No, no, of course not. Yeah. So, listeners, if you're wondering about this talk on accountability, you can go back to the podcast and the archive, as that was a full program that we worked on last week. So, you can always play back on that and then come back to this as well. I think, as you mentioned, they work so well together because they're interconnected. So, yeah, go back to that podcast uh, of accountability that we had last week as well. Mm. Right. So, so, Brother Zaid, if we come back to this validation, mm-hmm. and we talk about, last week we spoke about accountability and how it impacts our, our growth, and you, you mentioned how personal and professional growth is not something that we would separate, because, you know, we're not segmenting our own selves. You know, we see ourselves as whole, complete, uh, whole being, and to work on that because every aspect of our life impacts the other. Everything overlaps into the other, and we're not different personalities. We're one person, hopefully. Uh, in, in what ways do you think? You know, when we talk about the seeking constant validation, 
how does that impact us, our growth, our development? We need to recognize that as long as we're seeking validation, we're more interested in what people think of us than what we think of ourselves. And I'll keep repeating that every chance I get because that I think is the biggest thing that holds us back in life, is that we're so focused on what other people's opinions are that we know them better than we know ourselves. We know what it is that we need to do to get their validation than what we do to feel fulfilled, for example. And that's why we end up then choosing careers and choosing lifestyles and choosing all sorts of things in life that is focused on how we're going to be perceived. Are we going to be perceived as successful, as interesting, as whatever it is that we go with? Mm -hmm. So when we start holding ourselves accountable, being mindful, being more aware and purposeful about why it is that we pursue something in life, we'll find that it's a lot more fulfilling to do it because we see the value of it rather than we're doing it because if we don't, there's going to be a negative consequence. And majority of people are driven by the avoidance of a negative consequence. And that's why life becomes so difficult and so unbearable because they're constantly in fear of what would go wrong if they didn't do what they need to do. And that's why when that becomes so overwhelming and so unbearable or you can't just, you just cannot see yourself getting it right, you end up focusing on wanting people to understand your journey and understand your struggle. And that's why you start looking for validation rather than holding yourself to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. well, again, as always, so much to think about, so much to introspect. And I think that that, um, that honesty that's needed with our own selves. Mm -hmm. um, and it's humbling because we often are wanting to change others and to want to um, assert how we think they should be uh, responding to us uh, and that whole sense of that control that we seek all the time but as yeah. you mentioned the powerful one was about how we choose to respond and to react uh, everything is really connected so deeply to the essence of our spiritual being, the essence of who we are spiritual beings, our aqeedah, our belief system is what. And that belief system is not, oh, I've read dhikr so many cows, uh, or I've prayed this number of uh, nafil salah, or I've read that many khatams, or I've been on jamaat this many times. And these are all important, valuable soul work that we are doing. But if in our character, in our awareness of self and others, there's no change, then we must reflect on, um, ref deeply reflect on that state of ourselves um, as the servants of Allah. Uh, I'm wondering if it's possible, I'm not sure if it's accessible to you right now while we're recording this. Uh, if not, then that's okay, you could just let me know. But is it possible for us to go to your, to your Instagram page and would it be possible for you to Read out for us one of your posts. Uh, I've been enjoying the ones linked to Palestine, um, and 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 they are they give a lot of food for thought. So could we perhaps look at one of those if, if it's accessible to you? Um, yes, it is accessible. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, here's one that actually resonates with our con uh, with our topic. Um, it's something I posted uh, three days ago. And it was uh, just a thought I shared that says that 
if I do good, it will come back to me in unexpected ways. That's a common misconception again. And the reason why I picked on this is because that's how we transact. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how we assume that uh, the way it is, um, we're going to be able to navigate life. Uh, that if we do good, good will happen to us. If we do good, um, somehow or the other, I'll be repaid for it in this lifetime, for example. And the full quote I put out was that if I do good, it will come back to me in unexpected ways. No, it won't. The streets are full of homeless bodies and souls that have done good, but it wasn't returned. Or are we suggesting that those that are in a bad state have done no good? And that's the thing. It breeds entitlement. It breeds entitlement that the moment I do something good, I'm entitled to receive good. And then we end up transacting. Now let's assume, worst case scenario, right? Let's assume that that is true for that specific action. And I do something good and I get something in return for it. Do we really want to have our good um, repaid in such small ways right now already? Or do we want to enjoy the benefit that goes well beyond that? Because that's what we lose out on, right? We lose out on the fact that when we start transacting, we claim almost payment right now, and we place yeah. a limitation on Allah's mercy and his generosity. I mean, I'm always reminded of the prostitute who gave the dog water. She didn't enter into a transaction. She didn't expect good in return. She didn't, she didn't even look around to see who was going to validate her or who was going to have a kind word for her because she was doing it. All she did was she acted sincerely, and the sincerity and conviction with which she acted, Allah rewarded her for it because Allah's promise is true. Allah has already promised us that whatever it is that you do good, you will be rewarded for it. Whatever ill you do, you'll be held to, uh, accountable for it. Yes. So if, if we believe that Allah's promise is true and we do, what is the point of considering what my reward is going to be? It's a distraction. It's an indulgence of the ego. I should do it because it resonates with what I truly believe is the correct and beneficial thing to do. And by default, as long as I'm creating good and I'm not creating harm, I know that I can absolutely 100% rely on Allah's mercy and His pleasure. Why should I have to consider it? Why should I have to contemplate it? Mm -hmm. And when we look at this and we start looking at it from that perspective, we then will find it a lot more difficult to look at what's happening, for example, in Palestine, in Gaza, and saying and thinking to ourselves, well, what are they doing to earn Allah's wrath and all of that sort of thing? Because that's how we tend to do things whenever Muslim communities are faced with different uh, upheavals and trials and, and natural disasters and things like that. There's no shortage of people amongst us that will stand step forward and say, well, that's Adab from Allah. Mm -hmm. Well, the same with COVID, right? Do you remember? Uh, the first thing when COVID happened as well was mm -hmm. that uh, this was a, a punishment, um, you know, for, for Muslims in that, well, at least that's what we heard here in Asia. I'm in Malaysia, so we heard that it was Muslims in this part of the world that were not making enough da'wah to the Chinese, and that's why COVID came. My question to people that make such statements is, can you please show me where you got this approval, this authority to speak on behalf of Allah. Subhanallah, yes, yes. 
Allah doesn't need a spokesperson. So when we indulge ourselves in that way, and it's literally an indulgence of the self, to want to comment on why someone else is in a difficult position, we assume to know what Allah knows. We assume to know the unseen. We assume to know what the balance of justice is. We assume to know what Allah has in store for them in the Akhirah. We assume so many things that we don't realize that all of those assumptions are merely just us needing to be seen a certain way, and that's the desire for validation. Look at what a good Muslim I am. Look at how uh, steadfast I am. Look at how much I'm making dhikr and salah and everything else. And every time you see me, you'll hear me always reciting something or the other. Do it because you connect with the benefit and the blessing of it and because it grounds you and because it cre creates mindfulness within you. Don't do it because you want people to recognize how it is that you're conducting yourself so that they can listen to you and take advice from you. I only wish that we have more of these conversations in our communities. Uh, I really do. But this is a start. And may Allah bless you and continue to take good works from you um, and uh, continue to expand these networks so that you're able to reach many, many more people. These conversations need to be had in our homes. They need to be had in our schools and madrasas, in our youth mentorship programs. Uh, where Futuwa is pretty much non-existent or dead. And, and these conversations need to be ha had in our masajid as well. Yes, for men and, uh, yeah, inshallah, may Allah open up many, many more future doors for that. Uh, so listeners, if you've been wondering about the post um, that we are referring to, a Brother Zaid read it out loud. It's from his Instagram account, Coach Zaid Ismail, and it was a post um, in January. That would be January 5th or so. Is that, is that correct? 5th or 6th of January? Um, yes, I think so. It says three days ago, so I believe it yeah. would be in that time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Context of it, well, yeah, it's a post around the 5th, 6th of January. If you want to go back to um, refer to that, and there's, there's great up there. Um, there's, there's highlights on single parenting, on self pity, on marriage, more about Brother Zaid's first book. And as you mentioned um, earlier today in the program, that um, there will be is it the third book that's coming out this year, inshallah? Uh, fourth. Fourth, mashallah. So it's going to be a fourth coming up this year 2024 inshallah we're holding we're holding we're your accountability partner on that and uh and the podcast so we're looking forward to to um to talking more about that book uh in 2024 on radio islam inshallah and also the podcast yeah we will definitely so please let us know once that launches so we can at least announce that on our program um, and with the details of how people can get in touch so we can announce that in a future program and they can um, benefit from those podcasts. I'm, 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 uh, I'm hoping the topics like this, inshallah, I don't want to use the word assuming because I learned <laughs> that in my state, but I want to say I'm hoping that the, to the topics like something similar to what we are discussing today is going to be on those podcasts. Will it be so? Yes, absolutely. That is the intention, inshallah, is to have these. I, I want to try my best to keep it very practical, very real, very relatable. Um, I'm not one for um, theory and philosophy, even though I tend to lean towards it at times in the way I describe things. But uh, as far as possible, I want people to keep me honest and to let me know whether what I'm saying is 
relatable and whether it adds up and if they find difficulty with what I'm saying, they must challenge me on it. Not just accept it because, uh, or ignore it because um, it's not their place to correct me. We need to have healthy conversations, not, not monologues. Yeah, yeah. When, when it, yeah, that's right. Uh, when it comes to these conversations on the podcast, is there a specific age uh, demographic that, that you're, you're, you're going to be um, connecting with for the podcast? Because I know you mentioned that, inshallah, your daughter will be on for the, for the youth uh, programs and stuff. So are there any specific age groups that you're um, targeting? Just, just like with my one-on-one services, um, I always maintain that as long as anyone can have a reasonable, rational discussion, we engage. And that could be from as early as 11 years old all the way through to the 60s and 70s. Anyone who's willing to have a meaningful discussion about what they're dealing with, what they're challenged with, what they feel strongly about, then we have something to engage on. <coughs> we. So the age groups, um, generally, from when I looked at my demographics, it seems to attract from like mid 20s to 45 to 50 year old. So that's the kind of range mostly. But I'm definitely keen on extending the engagement into the youth market, into the teens, because I believe that uh, they have some very problematic sources that have appeared as influencers and gurus and um, people that have wisdom about how life works that creates problems for us as Muslims. And uh, it's not just about being a Muslim, it's about recognizing that if we get it right, we'll automatically be a Muslim. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the kind of correlation that I'm trying my best to create between what's the practical reality of life versus how does that automatically become enabled when we connect with Islam in the way that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much in our communities, locally, globally, and may Allah continue to use you as a voice to be part of that. Um, that change for all of us, inshallah. If we don't speak to you before Ramadan, then we make dua that it is a blessed Ramadan for you and your loved ones, and uh, that you remember us all in your duas as well, please. Ameen, and the same to you and your family, inshallah, ameen. Jazakumullah khair. Such a pleasure having you with us. As always, you leave us with plenty of food for thought, lots to reflect upon, and reflection itself is from the Sunnah of Muhammad Sallallahu So may our reflection be blessed, and may it be a means of us gaining nearness to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and improving on ourselves. Inshallah. Inshallah. I mean, Jazakumullah is always for a very uh, thought-provoking discussion as well. Barakallahu feek. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. On the program today, we were speaking to Coach Zaid Ismail, mental health activist, coach for life, and author. His website, Zaid Ismail, spells Z-A-I-D-I-S-M-A-I-L.com. And Coach Zaid Ismail, if you're looking for that on social media, the post that he referenced to as well was around the 5th of January. Uh, lots of a very important post to make your way through as well as reels that you can benefit from um getting us to shift our perspective our mindset and to look at things from a different angle and to just challenge our own selves um i think for me what i take away from our time with coach zaid is how you know we talk about the self-awareness and we hear about personal development and growth and very often especially when it comes to 
uh, and non-Muslims uh, teaching this, what lacks, what's lacking is that connection to the Almighty Subhanahu Wa Taala. And um, our time when we get to connect with Coach Zaid is really to bring us back, and it's so humbling on that. Um, and so I encourage you to check out his works, support his projects, and we'll, we'll be sharing more when it comes to the launch of his podcast as well as his fourth book, inshallah. That brings us to the close of this time together, and we'll join you on a future program, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.